Welcome to the Cross-Border Interviews, where we sit down with local elected leaders from across Canada. Throughout this episode, we'll be learning about who our guest is, what drives them, and how they are working to make their community a better place for everyone there. Now, in today's episode, we are honored to be sitting down and chatting with the town of Cochrane, Alberta, Councillor Tara McFadden. But before we dive into our interview, 2024 is right around the corner. And for the month of December, we are running an exclusive 2024 New Year special donation subscription. For just $20.24 every three months during 2024, immerse yourselves in a year of exclusive perks and behind-the-scenes access to great content we have in store for you for 2024. So be ready to be part of the national conversation around municipalities and experience the magic of the cross-border interviews. Simply click the support the show link on the cross-border interviews website to subscribe to our quarterly holiday special and make your first donation today. Now, on to our interview with Councillor McFadden. Tara, thank you so much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. I want to start with a general question, but as anyone who's listened to my show knows, it is a question I have started all my interviews off with, so you are no exception to that. Where did your sense of duty to serve your community come from, Tara? Yeah, so this comes um, kind of by my family, actually. So I grew up in small town, uh, rural Alberta in Sundry. And uh, my dad always watched politics and talked politics. And but my mom was the one who who did the local politics. And so um, one of my kind of my first political entry into the world was uh, the local town council was looking to uh, shut down the outside pool. And my mom's kids, we were all avid swimmers and she wasn't going to have that. So um, one of my first memories being 10, going door to door, collecting signatures to save the pool. So it's kind of being being responsible for the world around you has kind of been ingrained in me since I was a kid. So you said your dad sort of paid attention to politics. Your mom was active in politics. Did your mother ever put her name forward or are you the first in the family to sort of go the elected route and put your name on the ballot? No, actually, it was great. My mom actually went, ran uh, twice, once when uh, she lived out in Mountain View County. And then she ran uh, when she moved back into Sundry. Uh, we were out in the country for a bit. And so we, uh, she was actually on town council two terms ago. So there was actually a period of time when we were both uh, sitting town councillors. Oh, wow. First off, so there's yeah. a lot to unpack there. Um, I want to sort of start with a general question because you, you are a unique guest for me because I was doing research on you because I like to do a little bit of research on my guests before we sit down. And I found out that your first election that you put your name forward was in 2007. Now, that is yes. sort of, I don't want to say an eternity ago compared to what we've gone through in the last five years, but you are the longest serving consecutive councillor that I've had on this show from the province of Alberta. So I have to ask this question. What made you get involved in 2007 in this town of Cochrane? What was going on that you said it's time for Tara to put up or shut up? Right. Well, like I said, I was always interested in politics. Um, I was one of those people that thought getting a political science degree was a useful thing. Um, Welcome to the club. So I, I probably want, right, right. So journalism is next for me, I tell you. Um, I feel attacked right now, Tara. No, that is the route to become premiers in Alberta. <laughs> or prime ministers if you're from Alberta. <laughs> right, right. So, um yeah, so I've always been interested in politics. I studied politics, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. I was very active in kind of the progressive conservative, conservative political scene. I didn't miss a leadership race, a policy thing, uh, you name it, I was very active. And so when I, we moved out to Cochrane, because we were, you know, decided we wanted to grow up and buy a house and have kids and do all the things. And uh, I wanted to do that in Cochrane. And, uh, so then, you know, I first ran because I, I thought it would be a step to other things. Um, and then, uh, but since then, I've completely fallen in love with municipal government. It's it's the closest level, you know, and to be able to make a difference. 
and um and so that's really rewarding for me um and yeah and just be able to to be able to make a difference so the first thing i did is i served on the planning commission uh for a couple years and and served on the municipal development plan uh, committee which was like a five-year committee i swear um but uh it uh yeah, it was really good. So then uh, 2007 was the first time I, I threw my hat into the ring. Um, and I've been fortunate to serve uh, Cochrane ever since. So we've had our, our trials and tribulations uh, since then. But um, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a great ride. And I, I take a great deal of, uh, you know, pride and enjoyment still in uh, serving the people of Cochrane. And uh, it was pointed out to me by um, uh, one of the gentlemen's uh, Ross Watson, who was on council for a long period of time, that if I serve out this term, provided I don't get hit by a bus or something interesting, um, I will be the longest serving elected or councillor, member of councillor in Cochrane's history. So I'm just going to avoid buses for a while. Okay. So, um, 20, 2007 uh, again i do i do my little bit of research and what i do on my research is mostly on elections because i like to learn from my guests for, from them but in my discovery 2007 there's not that many incumbents running for re-election in 2007 it is a wide open field and it is a large field uh for my I, from what i can remember from if i'm do, doing my math here correctly i think i wrote down 15, 14 or 15 council candidates. Now, this is a yep. big step. What made you think that you were the right person? Because there were so many other voices that could have been the voice that they could have, you could have voted for, but you said, you know what? They're great, but it's my, I, I'm doing it. it. I think I, I have the best vision for what Cochrane is going to be. Right. So we have like a general system. So it, it is not like a ward, which is, is great because it means um, every member of council is responsible for the whole community. I think it reduces kind of that NIMBY decision making. And so my lens was always not, you know, that I was the best one. Um, I mean, obviously I would be, but um, the approach is uh, I wanted to be part of making it different and being able to, to work with with the council to be at the table. Um, and so at that time, it was really, it was a change mandate. Um, we had one of the sitting councillors um, had stepped up to run for mayor. Um, I believe only the mayor ran again. So it was, it was wide open. There was lots of interest. Like I said, it was a change mandate. People um, really wanted to, to feel heard. And you remember that, that election? That response to the people has always been something that's important to me. Do you remember that election? Do you remember going out door knocking in that election? Oh, yeah. So you have to remember. So Cochrane at that time was about like 11,000 people. Um, and I was like 16 years younger, which means my daughter was a year and a half. So the town was smaller, but I door knocked like most of Cochrane with my 18 month old in a backpack. And so like knock, 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 you know, hi, I'm Tara. You should vote for me. And and then I hand back snacks to the kid and onward, onward to the next house. And so I just really put out, like I, like I said, I've always been interested in politics. Um, I always bring a kind of a balanced perspective uh, to the table. But at that time, I really felt I represented, you know, the young families, the young mothers, um, the newcomers to Cochrane. And, um, and at that time, there was a lot of folks that you go door to door. And a lot of the parameters was, how long have you lived here? Um, and that was kind of a um, something you wanted to pin your cap on. But of course, I'd only been in town for you know four years or something. So, but mostly, um, I think yeah, people have always appreciated um, you know my my commitment to public engagement, um, being authentic, um, a balanced perspective, and being willing to listen. Um, and I've always had a passion about planning. Maybe a bit of a, a missed career step there. But uh, one of the great things about Cochrane, of course, is one of the fastest growing municipalities um, in the province and in the country for probably well over 15 years now. So it's a little bit like playing SimCity for real. Oh, my God. I, 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 I love the fact that you just mentioned SimCity because that is what got me involved in municipal politics as well. I feel like we're kids <laughs> and spirits. Like um, 
It's not often I can ask this question for someone who's been on council for this uh, for your tenure, but the role of municipal government has changed dramatically over the last, I'm going to say, five years. Uh, prior to the pandemic to 2023, we are in a whole new ballgame in municipal politics. But you've been on the front lines. You've seen these changes happen sort of firsthand. Has municipal government and the issues that municipal governments are dealing with changed that much from 2007 to 2023? I think the challenges, certainly for Cochrane, are still the same. I mean, we're a desirable place to be. And so, uh, and a lot of municipalities struggle with, you know, how do we grow? How do we attract investment? And the trick for Cochrane, um, since my time in the community, has always been how do you, uh, so I ride horses, how do you like, rein that in how do you how do you direct it and so a lot of it's kind of been like half halts or or trying to to direct it and so that's been a common theme all the way through i think one of the big changes of course has been um the the uh, advent of like social media and so when i was first um elected we had two local papers and um for a while i felt like they were trying to win a, a pulitzer to 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 find the the drama that was cochran town councillor and um, and Jack Tennant, I don't know if you've ever met Jack Tennant. Um, I know the name, I've never met him. Yeah, anyhow, like an icon. Um, and so Jack, you know, he would say, because at the time, kind of the key message was the papers, the letters to the editor, the editorials, those type of things. And uh, Jack would say, you know, don't get into an argument with somebody who orders ink by the barrel. And so at the time, um, that was kind of the, the, how did you have a positive relationship with the media, uh, with the print media to kind of connect well. Um, and so we're, we're seeing that, that period of time pass us by, I think. Um, we've now got a radio station that's been a, a really great uh, method of communication, Cochrane Now. Um, our, our newspapers sadly are, are struggling, but social media has really ramped up. And so, and then that changes because, um, um, when you were dealing with the, the press, you often, you know, you did have informed feedback coming in, right? The media would sit in our budgets. They'd be watching our meetings, those type of things. And, and social media sometimes allows for that first thought, um, to get a lot of traction. Um, and so learning how to deal with social media has definitely, um, been a change it has great strengths and that you can communicate you know quickly to a large number of people but um one of one of my pushes one of the things that i would really like to accomplish in my time as an elected official is to really advance um that uh, civic engagement piece um civic literacy piece um and that that civic uh participation in that uh, participatory bureaucracy so that's been kind of an ongoing push for me is to get more opportunities for our residents to be at the table for decision-making pieces. And so, um, you know, the, having the social media that kind of allows for that better, some better engagement, but you're kind of seeing that challenge. It's not as deep as maybe as it once was. So you have just mentioned something that is a very big passion project for myself, and that is engagement at the municipal level. I, I can, I can count on my two hands right now, the amount of times that I hear municipal leaders say that their community is engaged. And I, when I say engaged, I mean actively giving feedback, volunteering for boards. Yes, there's always a handful of people, but you don't get the amount of people to come out to public open houses or to sit on the local MPC that you did 10, 20 years ago. How do you change that in a community like Cochrane? I know I'm asking the sort of million dollar question to your answer that you just gave, but how do you change the engagement process when often you will hear, as long as the water's turned on and my garbage is picked up, I don't care what's happening at City Hall? Yeah, and it's it's a completely you know true story. Uh, when I look at our different community associations um, around the community, um, I think every one of them was formed and stayed vibrant during a period of conflict when they felt threatened by a new development, right? So, so how do you make sure that that engagement stays, you know, consistent in a positive way? And I mean, if I had the quick answer to that one, um, I'd probably be charging to chat on your show. Um, but uh, I don't have the answer, so I'm not charging. But I think um, the piece really... Um, 
and, and what we're seeing now, I like broadly, I was meeting with some of their municipal colleagues uh, last night about different topics. This came up. But we're in a time right now where there's a great distrust of different levels of government um, and across like Western democracies. So this isn't just, you know, people are frustrated at the town of Cochrane. It's everywhere, right? And so I think the only way um, to really address that and take advantage of people wanting to feel like they're having an impact is to like over-engage and to provide those opportunities um, as much as you can. And so actually Cochrane's been fairly fortunate. I uh, I chair the Parks and Recreation Committee um, and we have a very uh, physically active, lots of amateur athletes in our community, lots of professional athletes in our community. Um, and so that one always has a uh, like a whole slew of candidates who want to uh, be a part of that committee. So most of my after work before evening time next week is doing a slate of interviews uh, to fill that community up, that community up for the next one. So um, I don't know. I think like there's not a quick answer to how you keep people engaged in a positive way, but I think there's some really great opportunities. I think, um, I mean, we, we can now, and everybody does it, we broadcast our, our council meetings. So you used to have to like come set aside a, like a Monday night, drive up to council chambers and, and sit there. Um, but now you can, you can watch, we're on YouTube, right? And so I was in a store just yesterday and the, uh, the store owners were talking, I was like, oh, I was listening to, you know, council on my way into town and you sounded really good. And I was like, I had to drive into that because I, drill into that because I was like I was glad I sounded good what was I saying so I can repeat it um can you remind me exactly what I said so I can say it again so you think that I'm doing a good job yeah yeah no they're really they're great uh local entrepreneurs some of you know they've got a great shop downtown but um I think um we can lean into some of these tools like the fact that council meetings are broadcast the fact that I don't think we need to have all of our meetings you know in person um but I think the trick really is to provide meaningful opportunities to engage. I always have my uh, alarm bells ringing when we send out surveys that are that are too vague. Um, you know, it's like, you know, do you want to keep your level of services? Well, I don't even know what that means, but of course I don't want things to get worse, right? Like, I think we can be a little bit um, more meaningful in our engagement. And that's something I just continue to work towards. You talked about the frustration that people have at all levels of government, not just a municipal level, but all levels of government. Um, one of the other passion projects that I, I have, and this is why kind of where this, the show kind of started from, was the misunderstanding that residents may have on the jurisdictional roles that the municipality plays compared to the other two levels of government. You, like you said, you are the closest to the people. You don't go to Edmond to do your job. You don't go to Ottawa to do your job as an MLA or an MP. You you make a decision. You're in the grocery store the day after. When people do approach you, when the people who are engaged actually do engage with you, are they engaging on the issues that are affecting the community or are they engaging on a range of issues? Are they engaging on provincial issues, federal issues? And when you do hear those other levels of jurisdictional roles, which you know is not the purview of the municipality, is it easier to just take the issue and then go to your MLA or M MP? Or do you sort of push back a little bit and say, I'd love to help? But this is actually a provincial issue, so you have to go talk to your MLA. Or this is a federal issue, so you have to go talk to your MP. How do you balance when you hear other jurisdictional issues come in to your engagement sessions? Yeah, and I think, and it's a really great question, because I think often people just assume that, you know, the town of Cochrane is actually a kingdom and we control everything. Whoa, 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 you don't? Our... Well... <laughs> Not yet, um, but uh, I have to talk to our MLA. But um, yeah, it like it happens often because we've got like in Cochrane, we've got uh, uh, two major highways that come through our community, um, and like the, the town of Cochrane has been lobbying for uh, a major intersection six intersection upgrade for thirty years, um, and it's finally happening, which is which is great. Um, but at the end of the day, all through that lobbying time, people were consistently, you got to fix the roads, you got to fix it, you got to fix it. And well, that's the province's jurisdiction uh, really was heard and, and really did feel like, you know, passing the buck. Uh, right. 
So uh, I always try to like, when I'm having those conversations with people, you know, you know, listen to them, let them, you know, vent, uh, which is always that important piece. Uh, make sure people are feeling heard um, and try to educate a little bit. But we've also like, just recently in our council um, identified some priorities for our, um, our lobbying efforts, recognizing that, you know, we don't have, you know, we're not the decision makers in education um, in health or in highways. And so I think we had five items and three of them were actually about lobbying to the provincial government um, to help us with that. Because one of the tricks with Cochrane, um, and we're seeing, of course, the, the federal government is doing a, a huge uh, immigration drive. The province of Alberta is doing a huge intermunicipal drive. You know, Alberta is, is calling. And uh, so, but it's up to the municipalities, like the province is selling the product but it's up to the municipalities to deliver the product. Um, we're the ones that provide, you know, the jobs and like the job locations and the housing and the schools and the recreation and the water and wastewater, all those things that go with it. So having to um, make sure and work with the, the our provincial partners to make sure that we're understood to be a partner at the table for that and that we really do need their support to help, um, you know, fulfill the, the vision that they're selling. What, so one of the things... a lot of it, my conversation with, with residents is a little bit of, you know, making sure they're heard, um, trying to do a little bit of education where it's appropriate. And then, you know, also just say, you know, you get reach out to, you know, MLA Guthrie's office type thing. But uh, you just got to be careful not to be getting past the buck because nobody appreciates that. Certainly don't. Um, before we turn to my next segment, I want to ask one final question in this area because um, the role of a counselor is not a unless you live in a large urban center, not a well-paying job. It is a part-time job, but with full-time hours. And I don't care where you are, even probably more than full-time hours, because with all the committees that you sit on, with all the meetings, all the reading that you have to do, all the engagement sessions that you have to do, it is a pretty demanding job. I can imagine that there are days where you just want to be Tara. You just want to just relax and just go out grab a uh, bag of milk and or a box a carton of milk and then come home after a stressful day but you know the moment you leave your personal house you are counselor you will get stopped how do you balance the role in a community where it seems like there's always growth going on in Cochrane, and with growth comes people asking questions about what's going on here, what's going down here, when is this going to be open, when's that going to be open? Have you been able to find that balance of being Tara and just being counselor? Yeah, I'd say no. Um, <laughs> Honesty, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, like I, I haven't actually. We've uh, we've got kind of a group of uh, women elected officials in our region. We were meeting quarterly and we were having this conversation just last night. It's like, how do you draw the boundaries? You know, how do you say no? How do you do those things? Um, and we shared some tips and tricks um, and some, some great ones. Like, you know, I can now order my groceries and have them delivered so I can skip the entire, um, you know, being, you know, the grocery store question piece. Um, uh yeah, so there's that piece you could do. Another counselor, she shared her trick is to order the groceries for pickup so that she has like an hour to spare. She goes to the grocery parking lot and parks and waits for her groceries and is free from family obligations and, and free from council obligations and just hides in the car. Um, or another good friend of mine, her trick is to, uh, when she's at the grocery store, I love this one, I haven't done it yet. Uh, she goes and she gets her ice cream first. And so then if she runs into people, she can just point at the ice cream and just be like, hey, my ice cream's melting. We can chat later. And then she returns the ice cream at the end of her shopping. I think that is the best thing ever. I... Right? So, so I, think, um, I think it's a hard thing because when you're a small town counselor, it's always. Like you're never not a counselor. Um, and, and I enjoy it. Like I go to the, to the dog park and people stop and ask me questions and then they're like, oh, I'm sorry. But like, I, I still enjoy the job. It doesn't feel like a job to me. It's still a passion. So I still enjoy being at the dog park to do that. My kids don't particularly enjoy going to the grocery store type of thing. Um, but, but probably the only place that I really just get to be Tara just doing one thing at a time um, 
is uh, when I'm when I'm riding my horse, and I have an Appaloosa, which means he's not a relaxing ride. So unless I want to hit the ground, I have to make sure that I'm focused on the horse all the time. So, but it is a struggle to make sure that I'm I'm present in the moments when I'm not being a counselor. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with that because you don't enter certainly not you know politics generally, but certainly not small town politics without having a passion for it. So it, it's a hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to draw the boundaries around. I, I want to turn to my second segment now, and I want to s- preface this question by saying this. This is a conversation between the counselor and myself. This is not a motion of counsel. This is not a direction of counsel. This is not even a policy of counsel. This is the counselor's opinion and only their opinion. She is one vote on counsel. She does not control the will and direction of counsel. None of them do only one vote. So counselor, in your opinion, what do you believe is the biggest issue or issues facing the town of Cochrane today as of recording this episode? Sure. So uh, typical politician, even our small town piece. Um, I, I'm at, instead of saying that there's one, I think there's, there's probably two or three. I mean, first of all, we're, we're a growth community. And so that's the number one challenge that we faced um, is how do we manage that growth? Um, how do we, we get residents that you know, they, they wanna be the last one in and I know how that feels. I wanted to be the last person to move to Cochrane, shut the door, don't let it get any bigger. Um, but that's not a reality that we actually uh, live in. So, but how do we manage that growth? How do we keep the small town feel that is Cochrane still? Um, but, and still manage to, you know, keep our, our tax base affordable. Um, but our residents often are demanding big city services. So how do we keep that small town feel, provide those big city services and keep a low tax base? So that, that growth management piece, there's that one, uh, we're dealing with inflation right now. And so, I mean, like all of us, we want to respect, um, everybody's pocketbooks. Um, but what's hard to maybe not as clear to the taxpayers, the municipality has inflation too. So, you know, the gas that goes in our trucks is gone up too. And we still need to mow the path, mow, keep everything mowed. Um, we need to make sure we're clearing the snow, like all of those things. So the cost to the municipality, even without a change of service, has gone up. So how do we balance, you know, being as fair as we can and equal to everybody's pocketbooks, but still provide the services that people want. So that's that's a big challenge. And then I think the third is this real challenge that we have um, in civics right now with this, this distrust of government. But I think um, because municipal politics, I think we have a rare opportunity to be the difference makers because we are the ones in the grocery stores. Uh, we are on the pathways. We are sitting in traffic as frustrated as you are we're your authentic leaders we're sharing the the challenges and i think if we're you know transparent and open and stay engaged um i think we have the best chance of winning back the trust and building trust in our residents i want to play in some of these sandboxes for a few minutes if that's okay with you and i want to start with growth because i think this is an important discussion that we need to have um you were elected to ensure the viability and the continued growth of your community. But you have people, as you've said, who sort of want to keep that small town feel that Cro- Cochrane is so known for. But with that sort of it encompasses all the issues that you just mentioned. Without growth means people who live in your community are going to have to pay a little bit more. So how do you balance that? How do you as a counselor balance the needs of the individual with the needs of the community? Because it sounds like that is the probably the biggest question you have to pose to yourself every time you make a vote in that council chambers. Yeah, you know, when I was, you know, how do you always balance off in any society, you're balancing off that responsibility between you know, the freedoms of the individual and the needs of the, the society as a whole. So it's an ongoing question that I think you ask yourself every time you make a decision, like you said, um, in the in the growth mandate, um, I think we've done a, I think people have always said, and we moved here too, to Cochrane because we want the small town feel. And so I think in balancing out the fact that Cochrane is going to grow, uh, there was a major annexation in 2004. Um, I think we've got 10 or 12 major developments going on right now. Uh, Cochrane is going to grow. And as long as we make, council make the smart choices in providing 
that we do have water and wastewater and the key infrastructure pieces and that we catch up as fast as we can on perhaps the softer services like recreation and arts and culture um, and work with our partners in education um, and health, it, um, that we can do that. But I think for Cochrane in, in balancing off that, it really is getting to what your core values are. Like, do you feel safe here? We're gonna make you safe. Um, your kids have a good education system. We've got great partners with the Rocky School Board. I mean, my kids have, are in the middle of it right now and, and they've had you know good teachers, good access to schools. Um, I, the RCMP is reported, we're a very safe community. Um, you know, we continue, one of my focuses is the connectivity, the walkability piece. Um, and so I think really playing um, up to what we want to go to small town. Um, I grew up in a small town and uh, you know everything shut down at five and I had to go to the big city to get everything. Um, and so in Cochrane, um, you know, I rarely have to leave town anymore, which is great. We've got, you know, we've got family doctors, uh, we've got shopping. When I first moved to town uh, and Boston Pizza was the fine dining place. Um, and now we've got, you know, a, a range of, of different opportunities, breweries. Um, yeah, it's it's a really, we're working hard to make it a complete community. And I think we're hitting it a lot, a lot of different ways. So again, how do you balance off what the individual needs against what the community needs is just, I think, reaching out to what those core values are and making sure you're delivering to those. What are the core values of Cochrane? Because you've mentioned core values a few times over the last few minutes, but what are the core values of Cochrane? And how do you ensure that the core values match up to the decision makings that you're making? Because uh, I can imagine you are looking at those core values on a regular basis and you're trying to decide what is in the best interest, but the core values that you have and the town has is not going to match up exactly with 100% of the people in your community. So how do you ensure those core values match what your residents want and need? Yeah. So yeah, for a minute, I thought I was going to get called out and I'd have to quickly Google Cochrane's <laughs> core values off our website, which I wouldn't obviously know. Uh, sustainability is one of the, um, you know, financial sustainability, all those pieces. But I think in how, and how do you always make sure that you're reflecting what your community values are because those two change. Um, it's that connectivity piece and being part of your community. And so, and that, and that's why like small town council can be so valuable um, and exhausting at the same time. Um, every one of my long weekends is, is booked for, you know, the Cochrane Parade Rodeo and Parade. It's an amazing thing. How do you miss out on that? But, um, you know, I don't spend time with my kids then, right? So, but mostly it's just about staying connected and engaged with the community. Um, and as we've got, you know, new folks moving in, making sure that they get a chance to be part of that as well. How important is it for you as a counselor? And we're, we're kind of jumping back and forth between the role of the counselor in the first segment and the issues. But I think this is an important follow-up to what you just said. How important is it for you to connect with people, not just in your echo chamber? To connect with people who just don't say, oh, yeah, you're doing great, Tara. That's great. Awesome. Amazing. Great job, counselor. But the people who will say, you know what? You, you kind of screwed the pooch on this one, and I'm going to tell you why. How important is it to listen to both sides of every issue and then make that decision when it comes to the priorities and the values of your town? Yeah, and I value, um, beyond words, those people in my networks that that tell it to me straight um, because it's, I mean, you always have, you know, your, your friends and your supporters and your, your cheerleaders. And I love those people to death too. Um, but um, it's kind of the markers. There's some people in our community that I, that I respect. And as long as I maintain their respect, even if I make a decision different, um, as long as I maintain their respect, of the people that I respect the most. I know I'm within the boundaries that I want to stay. Um, and there's there's some folks that are pretty loud in our community. Um, and, and there's some folks that um, I don't align with. And sometimes if I'm veering too side, too close to some of those, I'm like, you know, I just have to do a double check uh, and make sure I'm, I'm where I want to be. But at the end of the day, my goal has never really been to um, agree with the most amount of people. Um, it's, it's to listen, um, to have a balanced approach to the decisions that I make, um, to be rational. I'm not really good at 
pounding on the table and yelling at people. Like I'm very awkward if I try to be mad, so I just don't do it. Um, but yeah, there are um, for me, and I, I try to share this when we when we you know go and talk to the grade six classes about local government. Is um, when you're looking for feedback, like make sure that you're taking it for the people you go for advice to. And so that's kind of been my guardrail is to I've got people that I respect. I listen to their their intakes and um and and the people that have the most impact and kind of making sure that I'm on the right track are the people that I respect as opposed to maybe the the loudest people that week in our community. I, I'm cautious of time and I have so many other questions I want to ask, but I want to sort of pose this question that is important. Um, municipalities do not have an unlimited supply of money at their hands. They have to run a balanced budget every year. As much as people don't think that is true, it is the actual MGA that says you have to run a balanced budget. That means some people's issues are not going to be addressed year after year. That sidewalk in front of John's house that needs to be updated because he thinks it's the most pressing issue maybe not going to be done in 2024, 2025, but it could be happening in 2026. Is saying no to people as a counselor in a small town hard? Because you want to please everyone. You want to make sure people feel like they're being heard. But the reality is, with everything going on in the world right now, it's just impossible to help every single person with their individual issues. Is it not? Yeah, no, it's a super hard challenge, I think, for anybody who steps into the elected space, because we're stepping up there because, you know, we like people um, and we want to make a difference and we want to see that difference, you know, on the landscape or, or somehow. So you want to you want to be able to solve people's problems. And so it is a hard thing to kind of draw that line against maybe your personal instincts. And so um, one of the the benefits and perhaps long term uh, uh challenges for Cochrane because we are growing so fast we do have uh, our answer is often like not this year or not yet or this will fit into the plan here um are, but we're in a because are we people have willing to accept that answer though right now say it again is are people willing to accept that answer though because mm, most people not, want not, their no. issue yeah, exactly <laughs> okay <laughs> Okay, sorry. Continue on. I yeah, apologize no, for interrupting. No. A nice try, Tara. Yeah, it's like no. It's like say. By the way, this is completely wrong. You guys messed this up. You better fix it tomorrow. Um. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard one to to navigate for sure. Okay. I apologize for interrupting. That's why we have there. staff. <laughs> As a former staff administration for a small town, <laughs> we love the counselors like you who said just talk to us. Yeah. Staff. No. <laughs> I think that take that one to staff. No, I I respect our staff. Like being an elected official in a small town is a, a weird and unique challenge. Um, but so much respect for anybody that steps up into public service, especially in a small town, because you know, if you're the head of planning and you live in Cochrane and everybody knows who you are, it's a it's a hard space to be in as well. So huge respect and gratitude to our staff that um that do so much. So I've been accused on this show of only talking about negative things that are going on in communities in this segment. I was accused. Well, I wasn't accused. I was told, when are we going to talk about the good things, Chris, by uh, Councillor Cara Westerlin of Brazo County in Alberta. So, yes, I keep on mentioning her because she is the one who made me think about this question. What does Cochrane get right what is the thing that you look at and when you talk to other municipal leaders from across Alberta or even across Canada, you say, you know what, you may be doing it good, Cochrane's doing it right. What are those issues for you and what are those things that you boast about to other municipal leaders? Well, obviously they elect a really great councillor. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> right, right. So, no, all, all facetiousness aside... One of the strengths that I'm super proud about and uh, our team sometimes get the gears for is we've done um, a really good job with our planning um, in, in the last MDP that we had. And it's a hard, which was drafted. We're in the middle of our, just starting to write our new one. But, um, you know, it's it's challenging. And of course, um, you know, we've, we've run traditionally a very lean team. 
but um, our, our planning um, right now, we've got the housing crunch, um, you know, across the nation. Um, and in our last MBT and in how we've been working with our developers to allow growth, we've really uh, required um, a diversity in our housing mix. And so we do have challenges in there in the kind of in the rental market and the below market pieces. And we're, we're working to address that right now. But we do have a good diversity of housing. Um, and uh, the mayor of Okotoks uh, uh, is a good friend of mine. And there was a study through the UFCs recently that said, uh, you know, comparable municipalities, but the average household in uh, Cochrane is about 40 grand cheaper. And uh, I mean, there's various things that have come into play to make that happen. But one of the pieces that have made that possible is that diversity of housing. So I think, um, you know, that piece, and of course, anytime people are frustrated with traffic, you know, oh, planners are a bunch of idiots. Um, but it's not, it's not the planners um, that have done that. I think our planning team has done a great job and the creation of, of our policy documents have been really strong. Um, it's a matter of making sure that we adhere to it. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, we can fix what's in our jurisdiction. Um, the highways, as we've said, are in the provincial jurisdiction. So we've had to really work um, with the provinces partners with that. Um, one of the pieces we did um, this term to uh, advance, uh, like I said, the 22-1A major intersection in our community that's been a problem for 30 years. Um, in order to advance that, uh, we kind of we stepped into some of the work that needed to be done on the highway to make sure that the project would go ahead. So we're spending municipal tax dollars on, you know, by the book, a, a provincial jurisdiction. Um, it's not something that you want to do because we have municipal expenses we'd love to spend those dollars on. But traffic is, has been for years the number one issue. And, and back to people thinking, you know, your community is your kingdom and you should solve everything within the boundaries. At the end of the day, our residents really didn't care that it was a provincial jurisdiction they wanted the road to work better. So we stepped into that space. So um, I, I think we're doing planning uh, really well. I think we're really leveraging the fact um, of how appealing Cochrane is. And, um, you know, from a competitive uh, advantage, that's not something we were, you know, able to create or we can affect. The fact is we live in a beautiful river valley, 40 minutes from downtown Calgary, 40 minutes to the mountains. I'm 25 minutes from my horse. Um, you know, the location's amazing. We've got is a safe community, good schools. Um, things are, we're in a boom mode right now. So there's lots of things happening. So, um, I think we've done a good job of kind of taking advantage of, of this boom time. And one of the challenges I think for this council and future councils is going to make sure that we're not thinking the boom is forever and, and kind of building up our reserves so that when the boom isn't paying for things, we've built up a steady enough reserves and planning for our future infrastructure needs ahead of time. And I know different municipalities, certainly out east, older municipalities uh, that have, have an infrastructure that's aging out in a dramatic and dangerous fashion. Um, most of our infrastructure is less than 15 years old. Wow. Jealousy that I am hearing in the audible gasp from all across Canada right now saying 15 years old from municipal leaders maybe, right maybe, now. Yeah, maybe 20, but it, you have to remember, yeah, we were like a small, small town until, you know, automobiles made it possible to commute and and the, the annexation in 2004 that opened the doors to development. So it's... um. Yeah, we, we do have our older parts of town with that aging infrastructure, and we had some challenges this fall dealing with, uh, you know, digging up a street and finding out that there is all sorts of interesting water and wastewater and utilities under there that nobody quite knew what was going where that made the job more complicated than we thought. So we do have some older neighborhoods in the community, but by and large, um, like I said, uh, I think I elect, elected those seven, there's 11,000, there's now probably 35,000 people, so all that infrastructure that's supporting those people is brand new. So we need to look ahead and it's early days yet, but uh, to kind of plan for all those replacement and ongoing maintenance of. I want to turn to my last subject now. And it is a very important subject for me because I think it is the most important economic driver in Canada right now. And that is tourism. I love tourism. I think municipalities this is my personal opinion, do not do a good enough job promoting themselves and promoting their hidden gems in their communities. Um, so, Councillor, 
Tara the Great. What do you believe are some of the hidden gems in your community that tourists need to stop at if they're ever coming through Cochrane? Yeah, like so many. So I was like, wait, what are all the great things? So of course there's McKay's ice cream, which is, you know, the best ice cream in Canada. And we should actually probably have a national competition about this someday. But um, but McKay's ice cream is kind of the starting point. Um, our historic Main Street has got some great little niche businesses. But but some of the things that are off the beaten track that you might not be aware of, uh, the Cochrane Ranch. So if you're ever coming through Cochrane and you see the statue of the, the Men of Vision, the man on the horse on the hill, um, there's a great little municipal park through there that you can walk through. Um, there's the grandfather tree. Uh, there's a hundred year old plus tree that everybody loves to go to walk through the trees through. Um, we also have, uh, this one doesn't get enough call outs, but the Don Begg uh, Studio West Bronze Foundry and Art Gallery, they do the most amazing bronzes um, that win competitions across the country and, and internationally. And they're a little shop in our industrial section and they put out the most amazing artwork. And I think uh, even more Cochranites need to know about it. And then um, of course the uh, Glenville Ranch uh, Provincial Park is uh, I think the newest of the provincial parks still. And it's kind of filling up that space along the river between Cochrane and, and Calgary. And it's a, a little gem that I don't know enough people know about. And um, like, and a shout out to uh, our local Rotarians who are doing a great job um, trying to champion the Trans-Canada Trail connections, um, you know, through our community. And, and we just come great visions about how we can uh, connect with the Stone and Dakota Nation on that. So, so some great tourist things already come to Cochrane. And like I said, uh, we've got some great restaurants. We've got a, a couple of new breweries, which is a good place to go kick back and relax and taste test. I, I think I know the answer to this question already because I think you've sort of subtly hinted at it earlier in the conversation. But where do you go? Where do you go to decompress in the community? Where do you go to escape? Because you know that the challenges that you dealt with in the day are going to be back on your plate tomorrow morning. Yep. And so, well, I, I so there's kind of two. One of them is the dog park. So I like to take my puppy and go through the dog park and, and wander along the river and and we talked about this and I look for the, the glimmer moments, right? So today I was out and the dogs were playing in the snow and jumping around. And it was just, you know, one of those moments where you walk by the river and you see the amazing sunsets we get here. Um, so just to take that time in our, in our green spaces, um, occasionally I'll go and relax in some of our uh, tasty pubs and sample their tasty beverages. Um, but, and for myself though, I did say I, I'm still a horse person. Um, so the best decompress time for me is, is on horseback, um, when I really do only concentrate on one thing. I'm not, I'm not Tara the counselor. I'm not Tara the employee. I'm not Tara the mom. Um, I'm just Tara trying to stay on the horse. I can't believe I'm going to say this because this is the, I have said this over 178 times to guests across this country, but this is the very last time for 2023 because this is my very last interview I am recording in 2023. And I get to say it to someone who I kind of have a kindred spirit with because we seem to be good friends already. But in your opinion, and for the very last time on the cross-border interviews for 2023, what makes the town of Cochrane such a unique place to live to work and to raise a family. You know what? I, I want to say, like we said, Cochrane is so amazing um, because of the quality of life here. And, and a lot of that is the location because we're so close. Um, Calgary, I think uh, this year was the top five for highest quality of life in North America. And, um, and I think uh, Cochrane ranks that by about four spots. Uh, so, you know, we're a pretty amazing place. Uh, we've got a great community. Um, the people that move here, they step up, they 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 run the uh, Cochrane lineups, they run the parade, um, they step into making community events happen. So it's the location, um, it's the people, and it's the fact that you know we're next to Calgary, which is a great economic driver, and we're working really hard to expand that to make it more sustainable. Uh, we've got Carmen's uh, 
Canadian head office is here. And so we're working to make Cochrane more and more a complete community. But uh, yeah, it's people in place, really, that makes it such a great place to uh, live, work, and play. Councillor McFadden, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know I said 45 minutes and we're at the hour mark, if you can believe it. Um, I want to thank you so much. This has been an honor to sit down with you. I feel like we've just scratched the surface. As I've told people, whoever comes on my show, I come out to your community. So hopefully you have a spare few hours where we can go grab a coffee or potentially go ride a horse. If I can go find one that would hold my size of girth i'm going to use that word um but we it is can a... find horses we can find patios done 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 um it has been an honor to sit down with you and i could not have imagined a better guest to finalize my 2023 season um thank you so much for taking time out of your business schedule to do this it has been an absolute blast excellent well thank you i really enjoyed it and anytime i get to Post about the great community of Cochrane. I'm always glad to do it. Thank you for joining us for another great episode of the Cross Border Interviews. Your unwavering interest in delving deep into the issues that shape our communities across Canada is both inspiring and essential. Now, as we wrap up, it is my hope that you have gained valuable insights into the intricate world of municipal politics. Now, if you found this dialogue as engaging as I did, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. By subscribing, you're not just staying up to date with the latest conversations, but you're also playing a vital role in supporting our endeavors to bring you more meaningful content like you saw today. We couldn't embark on this journey without your support. Creating content that sheds light onto the issues affecting municipalities requires dedication and resources. Now, if you believe in our mission and want to help us to continue to grow, please consider visiting our support page conveniently linked in the show notes. Every contribution, big or small, goes a long way in ensuring that we can help deliver the kind of content you have come to expect from us. Now, we're thrilled that local leaders from coast to coast to coast in Canada are coming on the show to share their story with us, each with their own unique perspectives and experiences. So mark your calendars and keep those notifications on because there's a wealth of knowledge waiting for you just around the corner. Once again, thank you for being part of the Cross-Border Interviews community. Your engagement is what fuels our passion for shedding light on the issues that truly matter. Until next time, stay informed, stay engaged, and most importantly, just keep talking.